I'm Katie Atwell, co-host of the Edugals podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Dr. Omar Rita. Omar is a world-renowned Harvard-trained trauma expert. And today we're focused on his most recent book, The Wounded Healer, The Pain and Joy of Caregiving. This is such a powerful episode. The book is amazing. You are going to want to read it, especially if you are dealing with uh, taking care of your parents or uh, um, somebody else's children, or you're focused on uh, trying to help somebody who has uh, some addiction or something, and and you're trying to be a caregiver. Um, This is just such a powerful book, and uh, um, you're going to learn a lot. Um, So great, great interview. Um, Thanks for listening. And uh, by the way, it would be so cool if... uh, you know, if you shared the podcast with someone you know, like a colleague or a, a friend or a family member, that's right. You could say, hey, have you listened to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12? Hmm? Well, you should, and here's the link. I'd love it if you did that. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, enjoy the show. It's the education podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests, and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. With us today is Dr. Omar Rita, world-renowned, Harvard-trained trauma expert the author of several books, including his most recent book, The Wounded Healer, The Pain and Joy of Caregiving, and the founder of Untangled, a healing initiative that aims to break the cycles of trauma-related dysfunction through connection, support, education, empowerment, and the mastery of healthy coping skills. Today, we're focused on his book, The Wounded Healer, The Pain and Joy of Caregiving. Dr. Rita, thanks for joining me today, and say hi to everyone. Thank you, Steve. Hi. It's really a pleasure to be with you and this beloved community. Well, I'm glad to have you here, and this is your book is amazing, and I really think that uh, everyone at some point should read your book because it's going to help them as they're uh, um, as they become a, a caregiver. So, uh, kudos on that. Thank you. Uh, uh, so, Omar, before we talk about what's inside your book, the Wounded Healer: The Pain and Joy of Caregiving, I read in your bio that you are a world-renowned Harvard-trained trauma expert. When you talk about trauma, what do you mean? Well, thank you, Steve. I don't know about being world-renowned, but I have had the pleasure of working with many trauma survivors in different contexts and many parts of the world, both in the United States and also overseas. Mainly that happened because of my own experience with trauma. So trauma for me is any stressful event that will overwhelm our inner coping mechanisms. This can be a natural disaster like a hurricane or wildfire. But uh, it's mainly a man-made trauma, like physical or sexual violence. Uh, Literally, trauma means a wound. And to be wounded should not be a reason for us to judge one another or to see our wound as a sign of weakness. Because if somebody is bleeding physically in front of us, we're going to point that out and rush them to the emergency room. But uh, unfortunately, due to the stigma associated with emotions, when we see somebody emotionally bleeding, we will ask them to hide their suffering and uh, that will teach trauma survivors, especially our children, that big feelings are scary and there is nobody there to listen to them. Gotcha. Thank you. You know, one of the things that uh, um, 
I want to make sure that I, I get you to do is tell a little bit about your own trauma story. Could you do that a little bit? Yeah, thank you. I mean, I have been through many, many traumatic experiences since a very early age. So at age six, I lost my 14-year-old sister. She died of brain cancer, and that ignited in me the passion to become a physician. At age 11, I was about to be kidnapped, and somebody wanted to sexually assault me. So I was very lucky to run away from that. Uh, experience, but that ignited in me the passion to serve children who are traumatized and try to protect them from especially sexual trauma. And then I uh, ended up leaving my home country, living as a refugee uh, in Europe, and that uh, also made me very passionate about the cause of refugees. Uh, in 2011, my home country went through a civil war, and I ended up, uh, you know, flying back and forth to many refugee camps and. Uh, war affected countries and that uh, made me specialize in trauma and disaster psychiatry. So most of uh, what I do is a result of my own trauma story, but rather than seeing my trauma as a, uh, you know, only uh, pain and uh, ugly details of what happened to me, I wanted to, uh, that to inspire me to be part of the healing and to actually do something to break the cycle. Gotcha. The uh, and uh, and I appreciate you sharing. And it's it's, it's really impactful in in your book itself. And uh, I appreciate you um, taking time to talk um, about what had happened to you over time. It, it, what's Let's go ahead and start talking about your book, The Wounded Healer, The Pain and Joy of Caregiving. In the author's note, you make the following observation: I am acutely aware that humans have the power and the ability to cause the most damage to each other, and also the most healing. Could you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I have noticed that most of uh, human suffering happened because of dysfunctional relationship and that most of uh, human healing actually happens when we heal our relations. So uh, this is not only uh, true in interpersonal relationships as individuals, but I have seen trauma that will break, you know, a family unit. It can actually divide a community. So, for example, if an educator or teacher, for example, will uh, take their own stress or burn out on their students at school or their children at home that might lead uh, the children to uh, have a foundation of safety and trust that's violated or shaky. And uh, as we know, Steve, I mean, children need a stable and very sound and healthy self-esteem as their foundation. If that's not the case, unfortunately, they might start to walk on eggshells around their parents and around their caregivers and uh, a, a broken and dysfunctional cycle will uh, uh, repeat itself. That's why I created Untangled and I, I wanted to break that cycle because it's really a very heartbreaking dynamic, but it's a very common theme that I see in the homes of caregivers, including educators. Gotcha. You know, when it, and just as a note, I, I could spend literally, your, your book is full of awesome information and uh, just the beginning alone I, I i had to force myself to all right steve you got to get out of the beginning and uh, um go a little further but the uh in the introduction you share if not careful caregivers can be traumatized by the very act of caregiving let's talk about what makes someone a caregiver and how that person can be harmed by the help he is delivering yeah i mean um so caregivers come in all kind of backgrounds not only doctors and nurses, but also, you know, social workers, therapists, teachers, you know, parents, uh, you know, uh, even faith and community leaders, people on the front lines, 
first responders. So to be caregiver, I believe, is the best thing that can happen to someone because it's a very emotionally rewarding experience to meet the needs of others and to tend to people and mend broken hearts is a wonderful thing. Uh, however, that can be emotionally exhausting or even toxic if we don't take care of our needs and assert our boundaries, especially if uh, we are very gentle and compassionate and we tend to absorb the traumatic details when we listen to the stories of others, especially children, because Steve, I mean, childhood trauma deeply touches our soul and shakes and shatters our deeply held core beliefs of uh, safety and trust. So if we continue to care for others while ignoring our own needs, I'm afraid that can lead to a very toxic, you know, uh, stress and eventually burn out. I gotcha. And that's, you know, and that, you know, it's interesting because I, I know, uh, you know, when you're trying to help people that if, you know, it's just, it's very poignant what you're talking about in that the idea that, uh, I guess suddenly you would be carrying the weight of it on your shoulders if you don't have some way of dealing with that. Uh, mm -hmm. That could make you just as not doing, not be feeling well as well. Uh, I don't know if I say that very well there, um, but if uh, that makes sense, I mean, because that's I, I I could see how that uh, um, could definitely be the case as you're trying to help somebody at the same time, maybe hurting yourself. Absolutely, you know. Early in, your, uh, early in your book, you comment, caregivers usually take care of others before themselves. So what do you mean by that? Uh, so being a physician, but not only in the healthcare industry, uh, even my colleagues from nursing, from education, from you know, refugee resettlement agencies, uh, they tell me the same, that uh, we learn uh, you know, as caregivers that our client is always right that they should always come first, that uh, we are there only for others and that we should not prioritize our needs or our boundaries. We should uh, neglect our self-care because it's a luxury. Uh, I believe self-care is not a luxury. It's actually a responsibility if we are to continue to take care of others. Uh, so I, I wanted really through the Wounded Healer book to challenge these dysfunctional beliefs and practices. Uh, we need to unlearn things that are toxic to our mental health and learn better healthy and safe coping skills because you cannot really pour to others from your empty cup and uh, we are not machines we we need to take breaks otherwise we will end up having mental breakdown gotcha the uh, um you know it's it's something that uh, if anyone has ever taken on the role of caregiver that uh, you know i can speak firsthand that it's easy sometimes to turn your attention to um, yapping or, you know, sniffing at your, <laughs> the person that you're working, not the person that you're trying to help, but the person who's trying to help you help the person you're trying to help. And uh, mm -hmm. um, I've seen that happen on my own, <laughs> on my own. I've had to back off and say, you know, apologize to someone for that very thing. Um, you know, what, one of the things that I need you to talk about, cause you, you mentioned in, in your book, um, this word resilience, what is it and why is it important? Yeah, resilience is not only our ability to bounce back after a traumatic experience, it's rather uh, the post-traumatic growth, wisdom, and transformation that will happen to us because of our trauma story. So we need to harness resilience by building coping skills, empowering trauma survivors, reminding them that uh, they are not broken, that they have survived the worst, 
reminding them of their coping skills and and uh, making them part of the solution, not only viewing them as part of the problem. Thank you. Uh, you know, throughout your book, you share comments from caregivers. I mean, could you talk a little about these interviews and what some key points were that you learned? I mean, I mean, especially because like you have this list of questions that are amazing that you actually challenge the reader to ask themselves. Um, could you just talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, I mean, when the publisher asked me to uh, write The Wounded Healer and very early during the pandemic, uh, I told them uh, I will do it under one condition. Uh, I needed to write a book with a soul. And they asked me what your definition of a uh, book with a soul. And I, I told them the soul of caregiving is the caregiver. So I needed to uh, collect the stories of my coworkers in order to be authentic. And uh, really what I have found out, um, many, many of caregivers are tangled in a web of trauma that's caused not only by uh, their work or employment, but also because of their family relations and maybe things uh, in the culture or in the community. Maybe, you know, there are things that are beyond their family or individual level that's causing their trauma. And uh, our well-being is a must. If we are to practice safe and healthy caregiving, we need to take care of ourselves. In order to present authentically, to serve others, we need to take care of ourselves because burnout will take away the joy of being a caregiver and will uh, let you actually present unauthentically when you serve uh, people who are in need of your service. Gotcha. The, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's some amazing stories in there and, uh, you know, it's, uh, um, I think it's, that's, that's, it has that soul. It has that heart because you're telling these you're retelling these people's stories, and I, it's powerful. Um, you know, you talk about the power of the family. Could you share a little about how the family can play an important role in a, an important part in a caregiver's life? Yeah, and uh, it was mainly in Chapter 2 that they focus on the family. And really, I, I put every single drop of uh, my soul and my heart into the book because I, I, I care about this cause. I, I cannot you know, remain silent when I bear witness to the suffering of my co-workers, uh, when I see some of them leave the field of caregiving because of burnout. Some of us are numbing our moral injury by using substance. And unfortunately, some of us are dying by suicide. So um, in order for us to heal, we need to heal as individuals, but also as families and communities. And I have noticed that many caregivers, um, their trauma will break their family unit. Uh, and trauma can actually make or break us as families. So I wanted to remind people that uh, in order to uh, not let trauma break our family structure, we need to face trauma as a united family and uh, never lose the dream chasing it. Many of us, we work long hours, Steve, and uh, we maybe work more than one job and we try to focus on the materialistic needs of our loved ones, but we forget their emotional needs. So when we come home, we come home depleted. We have no energy to spend when our loved ones and our children and our spouses might uh, start to walk on eggshells around us. It's very easy for me to lash out or shut down in front of uh, my family. Maybe I cannot do that in my place of employment. And really that will add to the dysfunction that I see that's caused by trauma. And that's why I built Untangled. That's why I wrote The Wounded Healer. Uh, I really wanted to break this cycle. Gotcha. The, uh, it, it... And it's, uh, like I said at the beginning, this is, uh, 
This is a book that everybody needs to read because it, it's so powerful. There's so many different ways that, uh, you know, that we, you know, just the, as that we become caregivers alone um, through the, through family, but because uh, it's not just about outside, it's uh, the family structure. It's about inside too. I mean, whether, uh, you know, it's any different way that you might become um, uh, this way that we tend not to, uh, you know, do the things that we need to along, you know, to, I guess, abate the, um, the pressures or the, what's happening within us, the, you know, to try and, I guess, you know, everything from put on a positive face to, you know, uh, to be positive with the person that you're trying to help. And, and, uh, is that kind of what we do is put pressure on ourselves then that, that comes out in the way of, you know, yelling at other people or <laughs> people who don't deserve uh, that negativity. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, you know, one of the things you, you have a section where you talk about working with children, um, and it talks about being their anchor. Could you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah. I mean, our children really need and deserve that we are in their corner and thinking the best of them and giving our best to them. And you cannot do that when you are completely burnt out. So uh, we need to be there to ground our children because the world is a, uh, become a very dangerous place to live and we need to be a source of encouragement when they ask to go out and explore the world and uh, you know have a dose of uh, independence and freedom but we also need to be a source of safety when their world become overwhelming and no longer safe so i i am a big believer that uh, a parent uh, or if the parent is not available at least an adult caregiver needs to be there in order for children to have some sense of uh, safety sanity and trust you know it's interesting because uh in this day of social media and uh phones that we all that keep our attention all the time that one of the things you talk about is uh you know mentioning that some people um and their children don't really talk that much and mm -hmm. uh that's that's an interesting aspect of it that i don't think a lot think about is that uh you know, it's kind of separating you from from them i guess yeah, I mean, sometimes as caregivers, we think that uh, we, our silence means we don't want to burden our families with the, the trauma stories that we bring from our places of work. At the same time, our silence might be the only burden that's affecting our family. So once we open up and talk about, uh, you know, our emotions in, in a safe and, uh, you know, way that doesn't overwhelm them, it will give them permission that they also can talk about their feelings and they and have an, an open door policy with us because if uh, our children don't trust us to talk about big feelings they will find a way to talk about this big feelings with someone else and they might go online they might ask the wrong person and maybe somebody will take advantage of them emotionally or otherwise so that's why i i know that we are depleted i know many of us are completely out of energy at the same time we need to save some energy for our loved ones. Nobody can replace a parent. You got that right. You got that right. The uh, uh, so, Doctor Rita, so Omar, you have a program called Untangled, and you kind of almost kind of went there a second ago. Um, could you share a little bit about what Untangled is and what makes it unique in addressing trauma? Yeah. So everything I do is under an umbrella called Untangled. And the reason I called it that because I have seen individuals, families, and communities are tangled in a web of trauma that's quite dysfunctional and uh, toxic. So in 2011, 
during the civil war in my home country, Libya, I, I created or designed a model of care that's made of five components. The first one is uh, to break the cycle of stigma through education. The second one is to raise capacity through training of trainers. The third one is to create uh, safe spaces for people to actually uh, start to have these difficult conversations that are quite overdue and quite healing. And uh, then if a community is asking for uh, culturally responsive resources, we can maybe build a hotline or uh, a trauma or crisis intervention team for them. And some people might eventually even need uh, the assistance of a professional. So if somebody is asking for medication management or uh, psychotherapy, we can build a clinic that's also respectful of the culture. So when I go to a community or a refugee camp, I don't present as the expert. I, I actually go as, a, as somebody who has a humility, somebody who has a student attitude. I try to learn about the local context, ask them what are the current resources, what's available for them, what are they missing, what are the gaps, and together we will uh, create something that will fill these gaps. Excellent. Thank you. I, and, uh, you know, before, and we're getting ready to close. And before we do that, could you let everyone know where they could connect and learn more? Yeah, it would be my pleasure if you can visit my website. It's just dromarida.com. That's D-R-O-M-A-R-R-E-D-A.com. Excellent. I will have that in my show notes, which uh, is easily accessed through mobile as well as de desktop, laptop, any way like that. But I love the way it works in the mobile. They just print it all there. It's highlight it and you click on it and it takes you there. So I'll put that in the show notes. So good stuff. Uh, all right. So one more, uh, well, I actually, I'm going to ask you two questions, but <laughs> Hey, I, sometimes I have difficulty counting there, but, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, the, um, next to last question, uh, how do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, I mean, I really love what I do. <laughs> I love everything about uh, the work that I do. Uh, I will never even change a thing about my trauma story because I, I really admire and respect people who take care of others. That's why I remind them to take care of uh, themselves as well, especially people who are working with children like educators. And uh, I, I really have noticed that, uh, especially the field of education is uh, uh, overwhelmed, uh, underpaid, and uh, unappreciated. So hopefully through some of the tips, the tools, and the skills in the Wounded Healer book, uh, I will uh, invite you to realize your value verbalize your needs, prioritize self-care, not only for the sake of your students, but also for the sake of your loved ones. Uh, I wrote this book in order to break the cycle, and uh, I agree with you, it's uh, emotionally exhausting work. That's why I have engaged in four things that uh, have really helped me overcome any stress that uh, came my way doing this important work. The first one is, uh, you know, leaning on my faith, the second one is loving my family. The third one is uh, practicing gratitude. And the last one is engaging in acts of uh, service and random acts of kindness. Thank you so much. I, I have one last question for you, and it co comes from uh, towards the end of your book. And you have this section that's called Invest in Beauty. And you say this, I've made it a habit to look for beauty in everyone I come across. And I have been pleasantly surprised with how much beauty I have discovered. This is the case whether it is in the struggles of someone with mental illness, drug addiction, or homelessness, or in the stories of those living with dementia, developmental delay, or physical disabilities. 
or through visiting refugees, orphans, and the many others who go unnoticed and are usually forgotten. Can you talk about this just a little bit? Yeah, I mean, that's the part that I love the most about being a psychiatrist. Uh, That's why I usually brag about psychiatry as the most beautiful field of medicine. And usually it's not the science of uh, psychiatry that I love. It's more the art. So when I go to a refugee camp or disaster zone or work with a community here in the United States, uh, I usually don't go and try to dig for the graphic details of the trauma story. I rather try to find the strength, the resilience, the coping mechanisms and build on uh, people, you know, inner ability to heal and it's usually around you know uh, working through art therapy play therapy and engaging the community in uh, healing conversations and uh, dialogue and this is really the part that i love the most and uh, it's focusing on beauty and uh, one of my teachers actually he told me omar if you are not looking for beauty in every encounter with your patient then you are not really practicing medicine look for something else and uh, that has been something that I wanted to do every day, and I have been extremely pleased with the amount of beauty I receive and return. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, Omar, thank you so much for talking with me today. Your book, The Wounded Healer, The Pain and Joy of Caregiving, is powerful. I could have spent hours on every section talking with you, you to the point where you got to go, to stop, man. <laughs> But uh, this is is incredible. You've created a must-read for everyone, especially parents and especially children who are now the caregivers for their parents. Thank you, and I'm wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you very much. It's been an honor. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.